Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Character Arc Podcast, where each week we talk about a movie we just watched. Uh, we'll first give our own personalized synopsis and then give a general synopsis. Uh, we'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, some changes we would make if we were the ones who made the movie, and uh, end with a final thought. My name is Ted Hong. And I'm Richard Bertelson. And today, we're going to talk about Onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. My synopsis is, it's Disney, so you know a parent's dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Okay, mine is a little bit long-winded, but uh, at the Burgershire, a random elf tells a random boy that he wishes he had a little bit of his father inside of him. <laughs> uh, how did you like this movie, Ted? I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I will say, initially, from like the trailer, I was really put off by this movie. Um, I think part of it was also Chris Pratt's, um, that voice that he does for like something of your I know what you're talking about in general, though, because I felt the same way. It just, a lot of times whenever I see a Pixar trailer, I always feel like, well, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the magic of what I've seen in other Pixar movies. Like, oh, they finally right. lost it. But then whenever you actually watch it, you're like, okay, no, oh, they no, did. That, it, it, okay. still holds up. <laughs> they yeah. figured out, because they the trailers always make them seem basic. And basic. They're, yeah, basic. and you forget that, well, of course, when you run down a plot, it's going to sound kind of basic. But also the people at Pixar are very skilled storytellers and craftsmen. Yeah. And so even if they are telling a fairly basic story, they are telling it better than most people. I think the other thing for my initial reaction was that while I do like Chris Pratt and I do like Tom Holland and Dreyfus. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, mm-hmm. yeah. Dreyfus. Whenever I heard their voices, I could picture them. So I couldn't really detach their voices and put it onto the characters so they're two big of stars yeah i mean there was even at one point even when we were watching the movie there were some hand gestures that um ian was doing and i can swear that they did like the mocap off of probably tom holland i i think everyone's great in the movie i think that they they are very well cast and they perform very well but i will also just add in here my unpopular opinion that i think the last thing that I really liked Chris Pratt in was Parks and Recreation. Oh. His, I, I think he's extremely overrated. He's he's fun. I, I enjoy him. I, I will watch a Chris Pratt movie at any point. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed the movie. I like how tight uh, in terms of like story elements, like yeah, a lot of things came back, right? They were introduced well in the, the this beginning. This entire and then, movie is that. This yeah. entire movie is... Every single thing is important in the way that like it, it circles around. Um, right. So how did you like the movie? I love it. I think, yeah. I think it's great. I kind of two sides to that. I, I, I really like it thematically, and I really like just oh. the construction of the story. Yeah, I will add that I do like... It doesn't do like a very storybook kind of ending. Like the pieces are still broken. It's yeah. a dangerous setup because you, you could, it could go so wrong by so giving cheesy. the kids a really wrong message just from the standpoint of, oh, hey, death isn't that permanent. You're, <laughs> you can see your dad again. <laughs> and that's not what the movie does at all. In fact, it's about him going on a journey to realize that he's not actually missing 
what he thinks he's missing. Right. Um, and to appreciate what he does have. Right. So, oh, we should probably give a quick synopsis. Uh, yeah. So uh, our main character is Ian Lightfoot. Uh, it's his 16th birthday. Um, he's a very shy and reserved kid who is kind of scared of trying new things, and he's not very bold in any way. His brother, however, is quite the opposite. He's very bombastic. And, um, Bombastia. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, their father passed away before Ian was born um, and when Barley was a very, very young kid. Uh, but the, ma- he, the dad left a gift with their mother to give to them once they, were bo- once they were both over the age of 16. So since Ian turned 16 today, they get the gift. The gift is a wizard staff and a gem which can cast a spell to bring their dad back for exactly 24 hours so that they can see, th- so that his dad can see, their dad can see what kind of men they became. Uh, but the spell goes kind of wrong, and only half of him comes back, which is super weird when you think about it. It's the bottom half of the dangly bits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, the whole time, it's like they're walking a dog, and they have to just keep pulling him around. And, like, even just, like, ra- like when you go to grab someone, like, okay, there's the part where he walks off the cliff, mm-hmm. and the first instinct is to grab the, the center mass, right? <laughs> now, imagine, like, if you were just already accustomed or just attuned to where it is the first thing when you try to swat him it's gonna go to the center (laughs) and you're gonna go for the dangly bits grabbing your dad's dick yeah all right (laughs) i wanted to get close to you not this kind of close to you but uh so then they go on a quest they have to find another gem to complete the spell and of course because he's already kind of back the spell does end in 24 hours so you know, it's essentially just, it's kind of a road trip movie with two brothers, yep. um, and it is very much about the brothers bonding and kind of hashing out their, the ways that they're different, right. um, and appreciate, and ultimately it's about Ian learning, I mean, we'll get into thematically, I have things to say about that later, but about sort of learning who his brother really is to him. And right. No, it, it's really good. All the stakes are there, like there's the time element, the shared momentum i guess they both want to see their dad they have the same goal it, which is also interesting though too, because they yes. it's sort of revealed later that they they don't have the same stakes in it no um at first they do but as kind of i think as ian learns more about himself he realizes that it's actually he makes sort of a sacrifice in realizing this is actually more important to his brother than it is to him mm-hmm. and that's a really cool touch yeah uh, very much so because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, here's here's the kind of my, my personal connection to the theme, which is that I don't really have a dad. Um, and one thing, there's lots of stories like this where you have, like, an absent parent or my, my father is not dead, um, but he was never a part of my life. So I don't really know him as a father figure. But whenever I see movies that have kind of a premise like this where someone's like, oh, I miss my or not a miss because that that's where it bothers me that's that's the wrong step he never met his dad mm-hmm. and so i mean i've met mine but <laughs> uh you don't miss something that you don't have and I, I it's always baffling to me when like a kid in a movie is like and i'm not saying everyone has their own emotions and stuff and i'm not taking that away from anybody but my personal experience was if you never had the thing then you can't miss the thing and so I've always kind of felt like, well, my life is fine. My life was fine. I, my, my mom loved me and my brother loved me and everything was fine. The absence of this human being is not in itself important. Mm-hmm. And I can understand the difference between like if you had a father and they passed away or they left suddenly after like 10 years or 15 years, then that's different because you have this connection that you built. And that's actually where this movie surprised me because that's ultimately the message it gives, which is that this is more important to the brother because he had a thing and he lost it and there was no one to take that place. And what Ian learns is, no, actually, my life was fine because 
that hole was filled by people who already are in it. Right. And I've never seen a movie do that before, which is something a lot closer to my personal experience with that kind of thing. And this is the first time I've ever seen that played out on a film before. Yeah, so that that really hits home. Yeah. That's like it's, a, it's really good. Yeah, for me, uh, in terms of the connection, um, you know, uh, my parents were always busy, so I they both had two jobs at like for mm-hmm. a good point, um, and it was always my older brother looking after me. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that, but also, I don't know how to say this. Uh, my brother has kind of done his own thing. There are things that I think he could have done better, and so that struggle between Ian and Barley, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes is how I felt with my brother, but also noting, I mean, I'm saying I've realized this before this right. movie. There are a lot of good things that he's done. Because Ian know? kind of feels like his brother's a goofball and a screw up, uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of the movie and sort of what he comes to realize is that, but he has put a lot of effort into making Ian, feel comfortable and happy and trying to make him better. And so, which is something he didn't see before. Right. He just saw that he was a screw up. So that was, that was touching to me um, in terms of that point when you, when he realized all this other stuff that he hadn't noticed before until he actually took account. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can, the, the checklist is a pretty good jumping off point because we can talk about, well, for one, that, that moment when he is realizing it, that, that visual cue of him going down the checklist and crossing him off because he wasn't, he did, they weren't able to bring their dad back where he, he had this checklist of things he wanted to do with his dad for the one day he was going to be able to do them. And he crossed them off, realizing, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to do this. They only, at this point, he has 20 minutes left and there's no way to do these things because his dad still isn't back. Mm-hmm. But then he stops crossing them off. And then there's the little sort of, he starts to remember throughout the movie. So this checklist exists of all the things he wants to do with his dad, which he tells his brother early on, like right when they set off on the journey. So you know these things are on his list. And what you realize in that moment, as we get flashbacks to earlier in the film, that the film has had him do every single one of those things he wanted to do. It was just with his brother and not with his dad. Right. And so you realize even parts of the movie, which seem like little offshoots or maybe not pressing the plot powerfully forward, are too fulfill this promise that we're going to check off everything on this list. Oh, for sure. I love that they bring everything back, everything that was introduced. You know, sometimes when you watch a movie on the first sitting, um, you can find the plot holes. There aren't really plot holes in this movie. Mm-mm. Everything comes back full circle. Um, even like, I think it's kind of a little a little cheeky when they start talking about their dad, or at least all the little details you hear about their dad is usually regarding his lower half. <laughs> 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 all the... The playing drums on his on right. his feet, which is how the, they communicate with him once he's just feet. <laughs> exactly. Which, all right, I'll let that slide. But then also the purple socks, so mm-hmm. you know it's him, mm-hmm. right? So they've already established that. And then further on, some of the the magical spells. And this was what I wanted to add. I feel like this kind of concisely sums up the movie. It's like use what you have. So that's the lesson that Ian learns, right? He because right. he doesn't have a father, but he has a family, right? He yeah. has his brother that right. really, and that's how. Him. That's how they, that's his, his brother's refrain of how to complete a quest is to use right. whatever you have. Yeah. Right. So, which came back, uh, well, first through the, the cheese puff, which did not disintegrate in the water. Mm. They um, bought those cheese puffs at the gas station yeah. at the beginning. Use what you have. Um, the sliver, the splinter the from splinter, the staff. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Um, but uh, even, the, the, the staff splinters his brother and him at one point. His brother pulls out the splinter, but he doesn't. And at the end, when he loses the staff, he casts the spell that he learned earlier to make it bigger and right. has another staff now. And also adding more to using what you have. Um, 
They lose the map, but then they grab the little placemat, paper <laughs> placemat. Yeah. That's what was already in front of them, right? So, yeah, it was like it's a really clever use of everything, introducing things previously and then adding them later. Even just the, the sort of the plot points of the movie are always Ian learning a new spell right. um, to uh, overcome each individual obstacle. And, of course, at the end with the dragon, he has to cast all, all of, of those them. spells in a row to beat the dragon. Which um, was pretty badass. Yeah. Um, that was fun to watch. I was like, wow. Because um, sometimes these movies, they don't really like, uh, they do have a payoff at the end. But this was a very satisfying payoff yeah. in terms of everything that was used is now used in a creative way. Right. It keeps introducing little things that seem like when you're watching them, they don't seem like they're that important. It just seems like a pretty regular part of a plot. But like you said, like what we're describing is that they are they are all important. The screenwriter sat down and pretty much drew out a map for us of exactly what we're going to see that see later. We just didn't realize it yet. Right. And they're all used to get us to the next point. It's definitely a mark of a good story writer because you'll see in like sometimes in some other movies, they'll introduce like some sort of challenge where it's a very isolated challenge that you could have reused or revisited whatever was learned in that event in where it pays off in the end, which mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes you don't see that. So bravo. I think also uh, I really like the sometimes... This is what I mean. It's like the movie, the, one of the things that initially put me off is like sometimes this fantasy element is either too tongue in cheek, you know, but this one actually was pretty grounded while also clever. This is a fantasy world that has become as mundane as our everyday world. These are magical creatures who really don't use any magic anymore. The pixies don't fly. You know, they, you know they, they all drive cars, they use electricity, they, everything they do is just our modern world. They just, they live in a world where magic is possible, but none of them use it. It kind of right. got, it fell by the wayside. Which I think would be great if they decided to go with a sequel route. They already have a universe for that. But I, I think that even that though, that, that basic premise of the fantasy world becoming the mundane world is also just part of the theme, which is that Ian believes that... You know, he's kind of stuck with his brother and, you know, he loves his mom, but it's all just, this is just normal. Like he, he wishes for that magical connection with his dad, but he, he can't seem to achieve that. But magic is possible in this world, in the world he has, what he has now, which is his brother. If he just connects with him, if he just accepts him and is willing to have that kind of magical connection with him, you know what I mean? It's like, it operates one way, but so much more is possible. Right. Is also the case of his relationship with his brother. Yeah. It's just another tying in of the theme. I think the, the fantasy elements are a good analogy for the sort of journey that he has to go onto. Sure, there are the, the trope where the obvious route is not the, the best route. But then there's also, uh, I forget the magical spell, but it's where he walks. Be, uh, the trust bridge. Which, obviously, in and of itself. All of the spells ask ian to do something that has to do with him His having character. more confidence in himself right and like the first one he has to like speak with your heart he has to have authority in what he wants and what he says right and then it's focus and like uh essentially identifying what you want and you know trust the the no. thunder one needs them all to be combined into one right like he needs to be that confident person who mm-hmm. knows what he wants and goes for it right Again, all of these all of these elements are just being used to tell a very personal, real life story. 
It really goes with the whole, um, I forget the person's name. He did that TED Talk where he says, give him two plus two. Uh, Andrew starts with an S. Well, just uh, just Andrew, our buddy Andrew, yeah. this guy. Oh, uh, one of the main writers and directors at Pixar. At yeah. Pixar. I know he did he, Finding Nemo and Wally and And the really, unfortunately, failed movie, John Carter. Which I haven't seen, so I'm curious to. I, I yeah, to I haven't analyze seen that. that. But like, he seems like he's got his a good head on his shoulders mm-hmm. in terms of her storytelling. So yeah, the whole two plus two, and I want to add the the whole thing bringing back um, or coming back. Uh, so in the beginning, when you see the mom, she's doing her aerobics, but then as she's going up the dragon, she's doing the dance, and then she right, is yeah. a warrior while holding the sword and then doing the stab, doing the stab. Because even that, like. Uh... Like you're right. Like the the mom is able to do something that buys them extra time when fighting the dragon, but that doesn't come out of nowhere. We see where it's established that she might be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Also, she could be such a throwaway character, which she she's secondary for sure. Yeah. But she has a whole journey she goes on too. Um, you know what I mean? Like they could have just had her show up at the beginning and show up at the end, but they made you like she befriended the Manticore, and then you know mm-hmm. she kind of. Is rooting for her kids, and you even see that where she, when she's talking to the her boyfriend, the cop guy, you know, right. and even when uh, he's telling her, like, oh, they, you know, he drove, he he ran away in the van, and she's like, oh, good for mm-hmm. him. Like right. she has, like she's wrestling too with this idea because at first she wants to stop them. I mean, you don't see the exact moment she changes, but by the end, she's like, no, I. She's encouraging them because right. she knows that this is a growth moment for for him, for Ian especially. What a great mom! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's no pushover. It's great. Um, do you have a favorite? particular anything of the movie um or is it an overall love uh i think that's overall a great movie but uh i will point out we talked about it some but it we shouldn't leave without talking about how good the animation is like oh, it is yeah for sure like they are clearly cartoony looking elves but if you remove them for most of the shots you would swear to god you were looking at a real image of like a photographic image it is the the environments are so incredibly realistic it is it is unfathomable almost almost and not only that the physics in the in the animation i mean there are a couple of points where it did look a little weird like with the van and how bouncy it was or when the pixies <gasps> were smashed i want to get to the pixies in a second too. i want to get to the van oh you want to get to the van okay I don't know where I was going anymore. Well, let but me yeah. tell you about this van. Tell me about this van. Okay, so uh, Guinevere, the van, at the, not the end, but closer to the end when uh, Ian can't cast the spell to collapse the rocks. Uh-huh. And um, uh, Valhalla? Ba- Barley. <laughs> puts, Sending yeah. her to Val- Valhalla. And then he, he puts the brick on the, um, on the gas pedal and it runs away and hits the cliff and collapses the rocks. As the van with the picture of the Pegasus horse on the side of it starts to run away... Um, it blows a tire, which makes it start to gallop. Gallop, yep. And then the parking tickets, which we saw shoved in there, they come out like wings. (laughs) And it's just visually just awesome. Yeah. Um, Which is also another part of the animation, too, is also just the visual style, not just being quote-unquote realistic, but there's an artistry to what they're doing, too, in just the camera work, you know, the fake camera work, but also... We talked. You talked about the dad and, like, tapping his foot and stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. you mentioned it during the movie more, more precisely, which is how natural those motions look which yeah. help for a character that doesn't have a top half and can't emote they do a really good job of having the kids connect with him by the way he taps his foot out and they touch him and he touches them and the same goes like we watched apocalypse war last week and we talked about how non-animated the faces were yeah and in this movie there's there's a performance going on in all of these characters faces at all times you you don't lose anything because it's animated you see all of the nuances of 
character emoting, which is super important. And I, I don't know how to do it. It's super hard. Yeah. Having an animated character look at you and you see hurt in their eyes or a bubbling joy underneath the surface. Or like, like at the end when Ian is looking through the rocks and you see that he's happy that his brother is talking to his dad, even though he's not. Or when Barley is realizes that Ian's spell, the, the disguise spell, if he tells a lie, then the spell starts to fail. And he says, I don't think my brother's a screw up and the spell starts to fail. Yeah. And it's not, he doesn't just flip out right away. He just has this kind of crushed anger, yeah. like a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those kind of things are, like acting is hard enough. Portraying it on an animated character is also going to be very difficult because you're starting from scratch. You don't, you don't have your own face. To, I, mean, you, I mean, you do. You, they, they, they do have front of mirrors and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, you're like you're, I can make my face probably not as skilled as some, but I can make my. I know generally how to make my face look happy or sad. But I don't do know. You. But I to, don't know what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> but to you know animate it on something and have it have the depth of a really good performance is very difficult. The worth of all those nuances is just above and beyond. So we'll jump to the Pixies real quick. Maybe it was their high-pitched voices <laughs> and their demeanor. I mean, it, that's, it was just, it was the characters. They, they fit the characters. They're supposed to be They're supposed to and... be, but there was something so grating. It, <laughs> it honestly started a rage in me. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I just like got really annoyed and I wanted to hurt something. <laughs> I don't know. It was just very infectious. Just the, the rage that they were feeling. He's infected with rage. <laughs> I was infected with rage. <laughs> this has been the 28 Days Later podcast. Yes. <laughs> I do have a favorite moment. Oh, yeah? And then when the manticore stabs the lady in the neck. Damn it, that was mine. <laughs> I was so wonderfully shocked by it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they totally went there. That's great. <laughs> it's really dark. They I did love, walk yes. it back a little bit. But. Uh, but I love it. I love it when things just go surprisingly dark. So, yeah. Also, the way she talked. Oh. Because, <laughs> wait, hold on. What is she again? She's a... Weird lizard goblin, yeah. Nilbog. Um, any changes, Sir Richard? No. Do you death say... This movie is a perfect. So I, I can't talk like that. I hate it. The I mean, cringe. we we kind of talked about how so much of the movie throughout the first half are peppered in a bunch of things that must happen because they are all important to what happens in the second half. I mean, it's not it's not as clear cut as that. Like this thing happens and it might come back way later or sooner than that. It's not an even split or anything. But because the movie is so tightly put together that you have to be very careful how you. I I don't think it's a per like I. I don't think this is the best Pixar movie. I don't think this is the this isn't like my all time favorite, but it's really good and it's re- mm-hmm. it's better than. I will venture to say that it's better than most movies, and when I say that is like, so many movies have lots of different flaws, and this movie's so tight, and almost most Pixar movies are better than most movies. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, even good movies that are good, like there is a craft and an understanding of how to tell a story visually on film that Pixar has and knows how to do again and again that proves that the people who work there just understand filmmaking as a medium better than most other people. (laughs) So in other words, and this goes the same for me, while it's not a personal favorite, it is a very solid story and movie. Yes. Um, I agree. Uh, like it's not. It's less revolutionary than something like 
Wally. Wally, I knew you were gonna go. Or there. even Inside Out, like, and mm-hmm. not that those, like, Inside Out is pretty revolutionary in its structure. Oh, Wally's, sure. Wally's a callback to silent films and stuff like that. But in the era that it was made, it is it is pretty ingenious and pretty ballsy the way that they pulled it off. And this is like, this is like a regular movie about brothers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't break the mold in any way. Right. It just does it better than most movies. Is all. Oh, for sure. Was it was on the onward was never released in theaters, right? It was supposed to be, but we shut down right before, or or was in theaters for like a week. Uh, I want to say the latter, but I'm almost convinced that it never was released. Yeah, I can't remember. It, it was I on the cusp. It was, it was yeah. somewhere on the cusp. It was yeah. one of those that like we'll throw it onto the streaming service immediately. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was among like it wasn't on Disney Plus right away. You could rent it for twenty dollars on Amazon for a couple of weeks, and then right. it went on Disney Plus pretty shortly after that, and it's included for six ninety nine, which. Is like as far as a direct to streaming, <laughs> it's a goddamn good movie, and you should watch it if you have Disney Plus for sure, for sure. But thank you guys so much for listening to the Character Arc podcast. Uh, you can follow us at Character Arc on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at characterarc.net. Um, you can listen to us, like and subscribe, rate us wherever you can on any podcasting app that's Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you find podcasts. Thank you so much. My name is Richard, and I'm Ted Hong. <laughs> have a good one. Have a good one, everyone.